census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. to the triumphant return of Throwdown Thursday, episode 305. You know, this is the first episode we've done since October 22nd. Uh, I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And we are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and the Dorkening Podcast Network. And I'm not alone. Uh, as always, I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is, let's see if I remember how to do this, the Mistress of Merlot, the Countess of Cabernet, the Queen Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco, the Viceroy of Vignoles, the the Michael Phelps of Wine, the there's a couple uh, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes von Nightmare. We're back. I didn't. I didn't want to write that down. I wanted to see if I could remember it, and I think I did okay. Yeah, you did a really... You know, I, to be completely honest, I can't even remember them all. December to January, so it's been uh, three and a half months since we've It's been a while. Yeah. Like... A little bit. Been a hot minute. We had taken a a hiatus because I was in Provincetown. Yes. uh, Working on an amazing film. And I cannot wait for this film to come out, and we'll be able to talk a little bit more once uh, once we have a release date for this film. Probably and, won't be till next year. Uh, there's um, a there, this is going to be it's, it was uh, yeah we'll we'll be able to talk about it a little bit later. One um, of my favorite things I've ever worked on. It was uh, a fantastic opportunity for the both of us, yes. and that is all I'm going to say. I mean, that's all I'm going to say because that, that's I think that's all we can say right now. One of the best things. One of the best things about this Because was, I signed an NDA. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> One of the best things about this, though, was, and, and this is just the industry in general, getting a chance to spend three and a half weeks in Provincetown, which I would never be able to afford to do normally. Mm. And, like, I could see the ocean laying down in my bed in my hotel room. Like. It- was awesome so he was down there the weekend of my birthday so i got to spend part of ashtoberfest Mm -hmm. in provincetown staying in this great room that had an incredible view the ocean was right there yeah i got to drink champagne on a private beach uh as as i should be able to you know um i just i just feel like that that's something that i should be able to do on a on a routine basis we had to switch up the, the the filming schedule so she was supposed to leave Friday night and then we were going to have Saturday Sunday off you know to spend together and then Monday she would go home and I would be you know back on set Monday well they shifted the schedule so I had Friday Saturday off but it worked out because you ended up having a whole day to yourself I had a self-care day I got to go to the beach by myself 
and just stick my feet in the sand, play in the water a little bit. It was just, it was so nice. I took a bath, a nice bubble, like a super bubbly bubble bath. It was just, you know, I know you weren't there, but it was a fantastic day. I got to sleep in this really comfy bed. You know, I got a gorgeous view of the ocean. It wasn't, it, you know what? It wasn't a terrible day. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't that bad. My first day on set, uh, I got there late in the afternoon on, on a Monday. I got there late in the afternoon. And it was around like five o'clock. I got there and I was, you know, working with people, getting my COVID tests and filling out paperwork and whatnot. And they're like, all right, you know, we'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm like, oh, what time's called? They're like, 4.42 a.m. Oh. So I was like, that's a hell There's of a, a wait, 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 wait. There's a 4.42 a.m.? In the morning, yeah. That exists? But I got there. Uh, I didn't know who else was going to be on this, and I ran into my friend Jess, who is amazing. Uh, she is a great craft person. Uh, She's and, crafty. Yeah. She gets around. Well, I wouldn't say that. She gets around to different movie sets. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. She gets a lot of jobs because she's really good. Uh, I kept telling her, because uh, it was a joke based on a, a movie she had worked on prior to that, I kept telling her she needed to hocus focus. <laughs> um, I, the, the camera department was folks that I knew, some of the producers, but then there were a ton of people that I had never met and never worked with, and I got the chance to work in the AD department, which is where I want to go. Um, Can we talk about the cast party for a moment? The rap party? Oh, oh, it wasn't. It wasn't technically it, it was the a, rap party. Right, right, right. We right. had we had a party, but it was the just, weekend that I was there. It just happened to be the Friday you showed up, um, because we switched the schedule around. So instead of working Friday, we all had Friday off. So we all went out to uh, the governor something, the Bradford. Governor Bradford, yeah, because that's there's basically if you've never been to Provincetown, there are two streets. Uh, when you come in off the highway, you can go left to Commercial Street or right to Bradford Street. Both streets run parallel all the way through the town, um, and there are you know side streets connecting them. But uh, Bradford is two ways, uh, and and uh, Commercial is only one way. So this is the Bradford. This is right by the docks where you can go to the Whale Watch and whatnot. Uh, the party just happened to be drag queen karaoke, yeah. which, you know, was just terrible. Oh, I hated it so much. Uh, it was a blast. It was an absolute blast. And one of the things that I love is the fact that um, people who you have worked with numerous times, I'm mm-hmm. getting to know, we're friendly with, they're yep. delightful people. And I love getting to know the new people you work with, too. I love rap parties. Rap parties are the best. Yeah, rap parties Everyone's are a lot drinking. Of fun. And they're just telling all of these stories. We had a bit of an impromptu rap party the night of uh, when we finally finished filming. You know, I mean, there was still stuff to do. People had to get their paperwork in. You know, people had to load up all their gear and everything. So, but uh, since then, I worked on another film immediately after that. Like, I got home that Thursday, Friday, started on a new film. I finished that film. Worked on a commercial the following week. Uh, I've worked. I worked on four commercials in 2022. I just worked on my fourth commercial this year. And I've done <coughs> Super two, Bowl commercial. Two, <coughs> two Super Bowl commercials within two weeks. 
Um, and one of them has, I can talk about because it has already aired. Well, part of it's already aired. Uh, the Sam Adams. Your cousin from Boston. That commercial, I was working as uh, COVID slash health and safety. So while I didn't really get to interact with, you know, the, the, the crew that's in it, Lenny Clark or Kevin Garnett, which is kind of a bummer. But I did make sure everyone was healthy and safe. Which is the most important part. It is. And then the second commercial we'll be able to talk about a little bit more once it airs. Right. We can't talk about that one, but Boston.com has already aired a version of it. And I guess uh, my mom texted me to tell me it was on uh, Chronicle the other day. Oh, really? Um, there was also another commercial filming at the same time for DraftKings with, you know, Ortiz and Chara. and so. It, oh, that would have been a killer one to get on. I would have liked to have been on set for that one. I was on set for this one, and I get, did get to talk to the star a little bit, but for the most part, I kind of just ran interference on the crowd that gathered to try and uh, get pictures and and whatnot of him. So we can discuss that a little more. Probably on next week's show after it airs, I can talk a little bit about it. Um, but this is our first show back since October of 2022. October 22nd, 2022. And you know, I'm not going to get into it, but there's a lot of stuff that happened between then and now that necessitated this time off. Um, but as a result, we weren't able to tell you our top films and characters and whatnot from this past year. And let's just say, as far as television and films and whatnot go, this was a really great year for content. Yeah, there was some real, real good stuff. And I mean, I was, I don't know about you, but I was very entertained throughout 2022. Not only that, um, we also, because we had this time off, some of the stuff that we didn't get a chance to see we've made up for this year, like, you know, some of the movies that uh, we're going to be covering um, we were able to watch as we were preparing and getting ready to get into uh, this headspace again. And to be fair, again, those of you who know me know what's know what's going on. But I really wasn't in the headspace to 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 podcast or to sit down and talk about stuff. Um, and Ashes was being very supportive, as you know, you all know that she is. And she's like, I'm ready whenever you are. Just say the word. We won't do it until you are. We almost did it last week, but it just the stars didn't align. Um, there is a new episode of Shark Bites Up where I interview uh, author Mark Stevens for his book, The Fireballer, which is really, really good. You should check that out and check out uh, the podcast. Check out his book and check out the podcast because it's really, really good. Uh, we do a good job of not spoiling anything because the book just came out at the beginning of the year. But we're like, you know what? We need to get back into this. Uh, I was fortunate enough that uh, our good friend Old Man Wade was doing like one of those, whatever the Twitter live thing is. I forget what it's called. I don't know. Oh, technology. Um, but he was doing like a live thing on uh, New Year's Day and he invited me on and we started talking about comic books and movies and whatnot. And it really kind of rekindled this like, oh, I forgot how much I liked this. I didn't realize how much I had missed it. I still wasn't there yet, but I was, I was, you know. It kind of got the ball rolling. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's start thinking about episodes, thinking about what we want to do. Mm -hmm. Let's start getting our, our ducks in a row, and quack, quack. let's see, let's see what we can do. So, 
for today, for our getting into character question, we actually have this week and next week already prepared. So for today, our getting into character question is, what are your top films of 2022? And again, there are one, two, there's two on here, on my list anyways, that I did not see last year. We watched them this year uh, in January um, because they finally came to streaming services. So let's start, Ashes, start with your bottom three, 10, 9, and 8. Um, okay, so here's the thing. I can't follow instructions and I had a really difficult time coming up with a top 10. So I came up with a top 11-ish. Well, yeah. No, I think at this point, 300 episodes <laughs> I mean, in, people understand that if we come up with a top but, but, 10 but here's list, the thing, going there could into, be up to 60. Right, right. But here's the thing. Like going into you know, what we were just saying... So many good things came out last year. Uh, I was really entertained, especially in the world of cinema. Uh, so many good films uh, came out last year. So many fantastic performances. Um, you know, I've been really invested in award season. And I mean, I, I, I tend to be rather invested in award season. I just, you know, I'm like Moira Rose, you know, what's your what's your favorite season? Awards. Um, but this year specifically, you know, I think that a lot of these films, a lot of these portrayals have just been phenomenal. Uh, a couple of, of films, especially, and, and, you know, we'll get to that into that. But it was very difficult for me to pare it down to just 10. I mean, I had a list of my top 10 horror films alone for 2022. You know what I mean? And so and this list is is encompassing all genres. So I just I had a, I had a I had a difficult time. Uh so I will give you um 10 9 and 8 11 five. I will I will give you 11 through 8. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that works. So, my number 11 film uh kind of surprised me a little bit because I had no idea what to expect. It is the only Marvel film on my list. Uh and to be quite honest, I'm a little marveled out at this point. Yeah, well, um, that's a topic for another day. But uh but this this excited me greatly. I had really no idea about the uh, the subject matter or whatever and was very surprised like pleasantly surprised uh, and 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 it was really short too coming in at like what 52 minutes 55 minutes yeah um werewolf by night yeah and that's one that um I hadn't watched, and you suggested that I should. Well, because I wanted to talk about it. Right. And, and honestly, we're probably going to do an episode about this in the future, uh, because I do want to touch base on the content that it's based on and the film itself. It is so well done. Uh, it is something different from the rest of the Marvel franchise. And if you are a fan of black and white horror, if you are a fan of universal monsters, if you are a fan of these older classic horror films, you're going to love this because there's a lot of little nuances that happen. I got, uh, I don't want to turn anybody off by saying this, 
but I got Van Helsing vibes from it. Where it's like that campy, fun. Yes, but here's but here's the thing: when we say Van Helsing vibes, I love. I love that Van Helsing film. too. Now, see, here's and here's the thing: like, it's directed by the same guy, uh, Stephen Summers, who did The Mummy and The Mummy Returns. Like, so you get those same actors and the same type of like fun, campy vibe, like. I really enjoyed it and like this kind of gives me that same type of thing where it's almost like you know like all right we want to do a monster movie but let's take you know the formula that made Guardians of the Galaxy really popular and like make it gory but also over the top you know like a a, a Shaun of the Dead or a yeah, Tucker but, and Yeah but Dale. here's the thing you know they kind of use callbacks to uh, older horror films where mm -hmm. they didn't necessarily have the technology to show the gore, what was happening and whatnot. So they focused on the character's expression, which to be honest, can be even more terrifying than Boris seeing Carlos and the mummy. Yeah. Then, 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 you know, seeing the blood and the gore and the guts and stuff like that. So I thought this was just, it was done so well. And uh, to the point where I had to, I had to put it on my list and where I had such a, solid list uh, in my opinion I had to make it number 11 it couldn't be an honorable mention it had to be on the list itself I have it as um, an honorable mention you know uh, because I just thought it was done so well number 10 on my list is Prey yeah Prey and honestly I think the reason why it's number 10 is because I thought it and, and you may think otherwise but I thought the fact that it was released on Hulu and not and, and and didn't have a cinematic release i thought was a detriment yeah i think this could have done well in the theater but i, I also think you know being that it's a female lead in a classically testosterone driven blood fest um as we've seen in every one of these films you know i could see the internet people like intentionally tanking it but we got to see this uh, when I was I was working on a movie over the summer and they actually put us in dorms. So I snuck a Patsy girl into... went to college. I snuck a girl into my dorm and it only took me till I was 41. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I thought Prey was uh, so well done uh, to the point where I think it is one of my favorite Predator films. Well, I mean, there's five Predator films, six if you count this one, because there's Predator. It Predator definitely two. falls in top three. No, there's Predator, Predator Two, Predators, The Predator, Alien versus Predator, uh, Alien versus Predator Two Requiem, and this. So there's seven Predator. Okay, films. but well, I stand by what I just said. I, I think it's top in, in the top three. Two Predator Two, Predator One, this one. I, I agree with you. I think that, yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I really loved how it was done. Uh, I thought that the way that the Predator was handled... Uh, like how he kept was, fighting everything that he could find, like a yeah, snake and a wolf yeah. and a bear. You know, it was, uh, it was an adequate prequel. And it was a very adequate prequel, and it, you know, uh, stayed true to the franchise... Um, and it answered a question while also bringing up another question. 
um, for hardcore predator people, I know you're not. Um, the pistol that is, the flintlock pistol that is given to Danny Glover at the end of Predator Two has the name Raphael Andalini with the year I think it was 1791 or something like that. Uh, that's the pistol that she uses against the Predator mm-hmm. because she tries to help Raphael Andalini. Uh, but you know, the question now is how do the predators get that back? And I really hope we get to see that because if you watch the credits, the credit sequence, there's like that little animatic that shows the predators returning again to confront, uh, the Cherokee folks. Um, yeah. And I want to give credit to, is it, Amber Mid Thunder. Amber Mid Thunder, yes. Uh, phenomenal portrayal. She did a, a great job. She was a, a, a very. Um, I became very invested in her character and was really rooting for her. And the dude who played her brother was pretty good, too. Okay, so. I don't remember his name. Number nine on my list is Tar. I loved this film. It's one of those films that is really driven by uh, conversation and discourse and the phenomenal Kate Blanchett. Um, it's just, it is so well done. It's, you know, conversations about cancel culture and separating the art from the artist and heresy. And, and, and it, there's a, a lot of representation in this film uh, as far as that goes, but it was just so interesting. And then on top of it, she's a conductor, you know, so the music was phenomenal and, you know, you, this big orchestra as kind of this, the, the, the backdrop of this film, it was just, it was brilliant. Um, I love Kate Blanchett. I've professed my love for her on the show numerous times and I'm going to do it again. I love Kate Blanchett. I, I feel like she could do anything and I'm just, she's so captivating and this role, uh, as Lydia Tarr was written specifically for her. So, you know, she just, she, she was just, it was just completely blown away by her performance. Um, some of these just simple nuances, uh, that shouldn't have meant anything that meant everything because of what she was bringing to the table. So, um, and my number eight is kind of a twofer, uh, just because they belong in the same universe. It's X and Pearl. I love what Ty West is doing in this universe. We were introduced to X first. Patsy and I saw this in the theater. Really had no idea what to expect. Uh, Completely blown away. It was fun. It was different. It brought something new to the world of horror, which, you know, we're kind of craving at this point and speaking of the world of horror we got a lot of really great horror films last year both uh independent and more well-known mainstream mainstream that's a good word yeah more mainstream um however the more independent stuff you know was definitely uh definitely took the cake but this uh, this world that Ty West is creating with Mia Goth, who I am kind of obsessed with at this point, uh, is just so cool. And I'm really eager to see what they do next. And 
X and Pearl. So Pearl is actually the prequel to X. X came out first, and then post-credits of X, you got the trailer for Pearl. Pearl comes out, and it's the backstory of one of the characters of X, and it's done in this technicolor, fantastical way, uh, but it's a horror film, and it's almost uh, jarring the contrast. You know, you're seeing this beautiful, colorful world, you know, um, overly saturated world uh, that some of these early technicolor films, you know, how they were made. Um, yet it's this horror film. Like she's a pearl is a terrible person. <laughs> you know, you kind of know she's a little bit of a terrible person in X, but you really find out her backstory and why she is the way she is uh, in Pearl. And it was just, it was just, oh, I was blown away. The fact that Mia Goth is not nominated for an Oscar for her portrayal of Pearl in Pearl. It's a crime. It's because uh, the Academy hates horror. The last time a horror movie really got any traction, uh, aside from, uh, um, not nope, uh, get, get out. out, and they classified it as a fucking comedy for some reason, um, was. Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs winning an Oscar for 11 minutes of screen time. Like, I mean, it was nominated for Best Picture, and there was a lot of other nominations for it, but that was damn near... Oh, it was 30 years ago. So, I don't know. So that's your 10, 11, 10, 9, 8? Yes. All right, so I'm going to go 10, 9, 8. My number 10 this year uh, was one that I was really looking forward to because I've read a lot of the source material. I've read... Uh, the two main books. I even read the crossover with Sherlock Holmes, which was really, really good. If you haven't seen it, Sherlock, uh, Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell. My number 10 was the Hulu uh, exclusive Hellraiser. I like the fact that they used uh, a trans woman to portray the lead Cenobite, is what he's called, or the Hell Priest. The Priest. Yeah, well, in the books, it's the Hell yes, Priest. But, yes. Yeah. Um, because uh, Pinhead was like a derogatory term that the lead Cenobite did not care for. Um, but when introduced, um, was introduced as, you know, you couldn't tell if it was male or female, very androgynous. Even the voice was very husky and you couldn't tell. Very similar to how the character is portrayed in the film. And the fun fact... The original name for the movie was going to be Sadomasochists from Beyond the Grave. I'm glad they went with Hellraiser. Okay, but I want that movie to be made. <laughs> it was. Like, they, that's just what they were going to call it. Like, Sadomasochists from Beyond the Grave. Yeah, but what I'm yeah. saying is I want a film called that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's some sort of 80s, like, schlock fan. Sadomasochists from Beyond the Grave. And it's probably got that guy with the super deep voice. Sadomasochists from Beyond the yes! Grave. Yes! Yeah. Yes. Uh, my number nine, uh, this one I liked, but I didn't like it as much as some of the other ones on this list. Uh, Crimes of the Future, Cronenberg's uh, final film. Um, one of the things I really liked about it, and we talked about this when we saw it, was that it seemed like you were dropped in the second movie of a trilogy. 
Like, there's clearly a buildup that happened before this, and there's clearly lots of stuff that happens afterwards. Um, but I like the fact that you don't get that information. Sometimes you don't need a fucking franchise for every goddamn idea that you have. Like, there doesn't need to be a breakfast cereal and a comic book and a video game. Sometimes a movie can just be a movie. You don't need, you know, four four sequels and a, and a TV spinoff. Like, you can just... And I don't want to have to watch another TV show. And this is kind of tangentially tied to the uh, Marvel com- comment that you made earlier. I don't want to have to watch three or four uh, TV shows so I can understand what's happening in a movie. You know? I want to just watch a movie and know what's going on. Uh, my number eight uh, was one of those ones that I mentioned that we did not get to see last year, uh, but did get to see once it came to streaming on HBO Max. Talking, of course, about the menu. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, I like s'mores, so this uh, was a, a good thing for me. It was a treat for you, wasn't it? Uh, I like cheeseburgers, so this uh, this really spoke to me on a fat kid level. So um, I liked the menu. I liked it a lot. Um, I'd like to see that John Leguizamo is getting a lot more work um, between John Wick 4 and this and Violent Night. Oh my God! Violent Night. Yeah, I. Just... I for completely forgot to put that. Oh, that was, that was a delight. Yeah, that's on my honorable mention. Yeah, let's let's put that. We're just gonna put that on our honorable mention list right now. now. Totally Violent Night. Oh, right this you second. know what? And I'm gonna go ahead and put Santa Claus on my honorable mention character list. Oh. That David Harbour was phenomenal in that film. John Leguizamo as the bad guy. That was really great. Oh, Beverly D'Angelo. Yep, as the matriarch. Yep. Oh, this was just, it, it was it was fun. Didn't we watch that Christmas night? I believe we did. I think we did, yeah. With our chocolate orange and our wine. Yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was a nice way to cap off the... Uh... It was either Christmas night or uh, New Year's Eve. No, it which. was Christmas. It, it was, was Christmas, Christmas yeah. Yeah. All right, so what's uh, seven, six, and five? Okay, so number seven on my list is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. This Nazi. was uh, one of those films that kind of not necessarily came out of nowhere, um, but it was a popular YouTube series a long time ago. This film really just sucker punches you in the feels but in the cutest of ways and I just loved it I really loved it there were times when I just it it almost brought me to tears unexpectedly was really rooting for this little shell and there were times when I was the part that I laughed the hardest ad was when he was trying to pronounce Wayne Gretzky's name. So he was quoting Wayne Gretzky that you miss 100% of the shots that you don't take. But he couldn't say Wayne Gretzky. So we ended up calling him Whale Jetski. And I just thought that was the cutest fucking thing ever. So yes, Marcel the Shell is number seven on my list. Uh, number six was Bullet Train. This was fun. This was such a fun ride. Um, first of all, it stars Brad Pitt. Now, I wasn't really a big fan of Brad Pitt in his earlier years, but since he's kind of become a little bit of a silver fox, like he hasn't gone completely gray, but there, there, there are some streaks in there. Uh, he's a little more, uh, a little more wrinkled and stuff. I get it. I get it now. Brad Pitt. Like I get it. Um, 
it was a, it was just fun. We went to the theater to see this one. It was nonstop fun from start to finish. And this was one where we were afraid because we had seen the trailer numerous times throughout the summer um, for all the other films that we went to see, you know, Bullet Train. And we were so afraid that it was going to give the entire film away. And in actuality, it just kind of gave you a sliver of it. Yeah, I remember thinking that, like, when we, we were talking about it, it's like, man... I've seen more and more of this trailer. Like, I feel like I know what's going to go on in the movie. But then we saw it, and it was just like... It was completely different, yeah. We saw that um, with, like, two other movies that night that both made our lists. Mm-hmm. So we'll we'll get into that. But yeah. yeah. Uh, and number five is the Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, we've been looking forward to this film for a while. And we actually had the opportunity to attend a viewing opening night that had Eugene Merman there presenting the film, giving a little like, hey, this is the movie that I'm in. I was very uh, disappointed he didn't have a fishtail with that name. Eugene Merman. Well, I was kind of hoping he was going to come in like a burger suit, maybe dress as B-Squatch or something. Uh, he didn't even really stay. Uh, like I, We brought a couple of Funkos for him to sign, but we didn't get the chance, so it's no big deal. I didn't realize he was a local guy, though. We did have to go see Bob's Burgers a second time. Right, because we didn't realize there was a post-credit scene. That's right. There's a post-credit scene. We did not know, so we went to go see it a second time, which... <laughs> Wasn't a big deal. But you know what? Worth it. Um, it was delightful. It was everything that I would have wanted in a Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, songs, fun stuff. Um, you know, they obviously really stepped it up for the film. And if you watch, like the big plot point is the giant sinkhole that opens in front of the restaurant. If you watch both season 11 and season 12, because they were doing the movie while they were doing seasons 11 and 12... The sidewalk in front of the restaurant slowly starts slowly to sink. deteriorates. Yep. Like you'll see people tripping, like, you know, stumbling over like the, the pavement. The attention to detail. I was going to say the continuity in this show is it's bar, it's bar none. Like it's like Bob takes off his shirt. You still see that partial tattoo tattoo he got. From the tattoo. The yes. Yeah. It, it was just it was fantastic. So, 765 for me. Uh, number seven, 3,000 Years of Longing. So good. I think we saw that the same night as Bullet Train and another one that we're going to talk about that neither, I think both of us have as like our number one. Um, number six, Prey, we already talked about. Uh, but 3,000 Years of Longing, that's the Tilda Swinton, uh, Idris Elba story with. Um, He's a djinn, and she's trying to make a wish, and, like, everything... But she's being really practical about it. Yes. You know, like, because it's he what needs, her Right, desires, like, he needs her... Want. He has to have, like, she... Yeah, it's she really good. She needs to make a wish. See it. Uh, it was so... See it. It's really, really beautifully well done. done. It's one of those the films. Cinematography is phenomenal. It's one of those films that we didn't know much entering into. All I knew was that Idris Elba, Tilda Swinton, two people who I both have a thing for. Uh, actually, Tilda Swinton more than Idris Elba at this point. But um, and that's all I needed to know. And the story was oh god it was so beautiful it, to the point where the credits rolled 
And I, I, my eyes were itchy. I thought they were just it, itchy. And then I realized I was crying. I'm like, I was not, I, I was, I was not expecting that. Like I was so moved by that film. It was so beautifully done. The story is gorgeous. There's another one on our list that's like that too. But yeah, I agree with you. Like that one, it was so well done. It was just, it was really good. Um, and my number five, like I said, number six was Prey. Number five, same as you, Bob's Burgers. So four, three, and two. What do you got? Okay, so my number four is Crimes of the Future. Okay. I loved this film. Oh, I I thought it was so well done. Um, watching things through the eyes of David Cronenberg is so interesting he has such a way of bringing things to life had the, these visions that he has and this film we've had several conversations about this film so uh fun fact uh, we all know that I'm a mad scientist during my day job Part of my degree is actually evolution. So I've, I have a concentration in evolution. I've done a lot of studies with evolution. I think that the work of Charles Darwin, the fact that it's still a theory and not law is just, ugh. But um, this film uh, sparked a lot of conversation about evolution and the possibility of this happening. And uh, the way that it was presented and it's just, it's just, it's one of those, I would love to actually have a conversation. I, I want to rewatch it and then have a conversation about it because uh, so, as artistic as it was, a lot of it was also based in science. Now, granted, obviously, you know, this suspension of disbelief was there, um, but it laid down ground rules. It followed those rules and it took you along for that ride. It gave you an explanation on everything. I thought it was just so well done. Um, and then the ending was uh, you're, you're pretty much seeing the evolution of man throughout the film. And what happens to the main protagonist throughout the film and then what ends up happening. It's just, it is, it is brilliant. I know Cronenberg does not like to consider his stuff body horror. He doesn't like the term body horror, but it is, it is body horror at its finest. It was so well done. Number three on my list uh, is Turning Red. I love this film so much. It's become one of my feel-good films. So a couple of years ago, it was The Mitchells versus The Machines. Uh, last year, it was Encanto. This year, this past year, it was Turning Red. And um, I just, it had no business being as good as it was. And it just hit me in all of the feels uh four town god damn it those songs slapped bops, I mean, they're no boys for now but... all of them bops all of them like so good I yeah that was that, that was that was a lot of fun i really enjoyed with my myself with that film um to the point where yeah if i'm not having a good day or if i'm not feeling well it's become my sick film if i'm not feeling well and i need something that's just going to make me feel a little bit better i will turn on turning red because not only is so you watch it like the, six times last i've week. watched it a lot yes uh 
partially for the songs because they're so good. No business being that good. Um, but the, the story is just great too. And, and we're seeing a lot of um, kids or, or just say films that are directed towards kids but obviously are directed towards adults parents whatever um dealing with generational trauma yeah and overcoming generational trauma and this is you know kind of like Encanto uh this is another one that deals with that and it does it in such a beautiful way um and also you know uh deals with growing up going through puberty um being different embracing your differences like it just hits so many nails on so many different heads it's just it's just really well done that was your uh 432 oh oh two two um the menu okay i love that I mean, the menu that was one I that we uh saw a trailer for it I want to say like a teaser trailer over the summer yeah and had no clue what it was about um every trailer that we had seen really didn't give much away we just know that it was Ray Fiennes um Anya Taylor Joy, uh, Nicholas yeah we we're just like this is a phenomenal cast it's clearly a horror film I can't wait to sink my teeth into this film <laughs> <laughs> um and then when we finally had the opportunity to watch it it was on HBO Max I was not let down I was really just on the edge of my seat through the entire time it was uh it was brilliant it was brilliant all right so for me four three two uh, number four, Turning Red. I really liked it. I thought the story was uh, very well done. It was very funny. Uh, number three is one that you didn't have on your list. Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Oh, Holy that was shit, good. How good was that movie? That was good. If you haven't had a chance, but you, if you're a Weird Al fan, you will love this movie because of what it is. It's. If you if you like having fun, you will love this movie it is because of what it is. Weird Al's perfect biopic. Peace de resistance. Um, my number two, we already talked about Bullet Train. Um, this had one of the best ensemble casts I've seen in a long time. Um, Who was the bad guy? Michael. Shannon. Shannon, I ugh, he's, he's so good. Pretty much always a bad guy. When you play well, well, Richard actually, the Iceman Kuklinski, you're kind of typecast as a bad guy. I, well, I've seen him in a couple of things where he wasn't the bad guy, right. but but uh, didn't know time. he was going to be in it, and then he showed up, and I was just like, oh, now it's a party. You had uh, Hero uh, Sadaka, I believe his name from. Uh, um, like a million things, but he was in um, Mortal Kombat of Scorpion. Um, you had Joey King. You had Zazie Beetz. You had Brad Pitt. You had Aaron Taylor Johnson. Like, there were, and oh my God, what's the dude, the dude who played Clementine? Holy shit. Uh, Keep I'm, talking, I'm, I'll look yeah. him up. Like, his. The, He's been in so much lately, uh, and he's always really, really good. Um, he was excellent. Um, again, Michael Shannon, like all the different assassins, Sandra Bullock. Um, 
Yeah, it was just so well done. There's a lot of like... Oh, so he played Lemon. Lemon, not Clementine. No, Aaron Taylor Johnson was Tangerine. Tangerine. Why the hell Clementine? You <laughs> close. Brian, oh, Brian Tyree, Tyree Henry. Henry. Jesus. Like, I couldn't think of his name. Uh, but obviously, I'm getting everybody's names messed up. Um, Clementine. Yeah. It, there's a lot of, like, visual cues to what's going to happen and, like... Stuff that you get to see throughout the film. Yeah, it's it's so well done. I really, really loved it. Um, and Ashes, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what your number one is, because I think we have the same well, number. Well, you doing know, honorable do, mentions. Yeah, do your honorable mentions, because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, well, I don't have that many, but I do have a lot. We'll uh, so honorable mentions, Hellraiser, um, honestly for the Cenobites it was so well like the, the the concept the makeup the artistry the portrayal of the Cenobites so good uh, Mad God yep that's on my list that is if you love horror if you love claymation this is a love letter well, to the genre it's not claymation it's stop not, motion yeah stop, I was gonna say motion. stop motion yes um, Phil Tippett who, uh, who did Star Wars like, yes, it's just uh, it took what twenty years. Yes, for this to be made, um, brilliant, so well done. I believe it's streaming on Shutter right now. Uh, so if you're interested in checking it out, I highly recommend it. But Mad God was oh, it was so good. Um, Barbarian uh, was one of my favorite horror films of last year, and I would love to see. More of that. Not more on my of, list at all. Well, you and I have different I opinions, and that's okay. Yeah, I didn't care. I for just, it. you know, when you, it's a film that is broken into a couple of different acts, and by the end of Act One, you you think it's going somewhere, and then the end of Act One, you have a what the like. Literally, I yelled, "What the fuck." Because and then the, the the film just went off in a completely different direction, but it still made sense, and it was just it was just brilliant. Uh, the Northman. Uh, That's on my list. Robert Eggers. Um, the only reason why The Northman is not actually on my list and it's an honorable mention was because Bjork was only in it for a couple of minutes, and that character I really needed to see more of. Mm -hmm. um, Glass Onion that is one that we watched uh, end of last year didn't have a chance to really see it when it came out but it was so delightful really on par with Knives Out just this crazy murder mystery fun whodunit type of uh, kind of clue like um, just ensemble cast fantastic it was so well done uh, Babylon, that is one that I watched recently, and I loved it. It's a love letter to old Hollywood, uh, the evolution of Hollywood, uh, kind of satirical at times, um, commentary on the way Hollywood, especially old Hollywood, but sometimes recent Hollywood, uh, kind of just chews you up and spits you out. But I thought the story was really interesting. And some again, brilliant cast. Um, don't worry, darling. That one was, you know, despite all of the drama that happened with uh, that film festival, was it Sundance or uh, I don't know, the one that's over in Europe or whatever. Can. Um, cans, yeah, so something like that. Just can. Um, I just, I just can. Uh, 
was actually a really good story. And Florence Pugh, I just, I cannot get enough of her. I think she does an amazing job with everything that's presented to her. Um, but it was, a, the, the story itself was really good. Um, and last but not least, The Batman. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, The Batman is a children's character uh, about a, he is a strong individual, a strong gentleman who fights crime nocturnally. Uh, I didn't have that on mine. I have, uh, if you, I, I had Violent Night like you, Werewolf by Night, and The Northman. Uh, I also had X in my uh, honorable mentions. I really liked, I really wanted to see that one because the makeup artist who worked on uh, both Mia Goth and uh, Jenna Ortega uh, is someone that I got to work with this past year, Sarah Rubano, who also worked on Avatar 2. Speaking of Jenna Ortega, this, her role in X is probably my favorite thing that she's done so far. She's really good in that. Yeah. Um, I also have Sky Sharks, which technically came out overseas in 2021, but didn't come over here till 2022. Uh, A movie that has not released to the mainstream yet, Celepheus. When you see it, you'll know why. Uh, Nope. Uh, I liked that a lot. I liked the creature design. Uh, Then there were a few um, shorts on here, one called Dead Language by uh, Erica Stockwell, which was really fucking funny, and, like, all of hers are really fucking funny, and she is uh, putting on the Strange Maynard Film Festival uh, coming up in the coming months, and we will have her on to talk about that more. She does, just kind of side note, Erica Stockwell does the kind or writes the kind of horror makes the kind of horror uh the campy funny horror that just gets me yeah the stuff that we like to watch yes she makes it yes uh then there was the woodsman by uh our good friends uh bill fulkerson fulkerson and kyle kukta well bill was more of a producer and like behind the camera type thing uh kyle wrote and directed it uh the nurturing by our good friend alex divincenzo uh and one I got to watch because uh, I was watching some of the films for The Strange Maynard, uh, La Nueva. It's called, uh, it's The Newcomer. And I don't want to say anything about it because it's fucking amazing. Uh, and I 100% uh, think everyone should check out Strange Maynard and check out La Nueva. Um, I did have a list of my bottom films of this year as well or this past year uh lightyear didn't care for it went against a lot of the stuff that it already had established uh jurassic park dominion could have taken all the dinosaurs out of it wouldn't have changed the movie the requin you know what i like best about my shark movies when uh the shark doesn't show up until the last 30 minutes of a 90 minute movie and the first hour is spent on relationship drama. Mm. Mm, yeah. Because when I think of shark films, I think of relationship like, drama. I really want to see uh, Alicia Silverstone argue with her husband about uh, while they're on vacation about shit that happened prior to vacation. That's what I want to see in my shark attack movie. Uh, Halloween ends. And one of the biggest gripes people had with this was... Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in the first one in the 2018 film 
spends all these years, decades and decades, getting ready for Michael to return, and then he does, and then they fight him, and then they find out he's on the loose, and she just goes, ah, okay, well, I guess I can just live a normal life and not have any cares in the Let world. me write a book. But, well, I mean, we see her at the beginning. She's like, oh, I'm calmly chopping... Uh, you know, vegetables and, like, I don't live in a fortress anymore and I don't have any guns anywhere. Apparently there was a, a change to the script where she was under the impression that he was dead. Like, they found his body or whatever and, like, everyone thought he was dead. So she was like, I can live a normal life again. Uh, and not that it was bad, but there was a lot of unnecessary stuff in it. Uh, Terrifier 2. Now, we've had... Damian Leone and David Howard Thornton on. We really enjoyed Terrifier. We liked Terrifier too. My only issue with it was there were a few scenes that probably could have been cut for time. Did have one of the best kills I've seen in a long time. That bedroom one. Mm-hmm. Um, and my only other gripe with it was if Lauren Lavera's character is supposed to be in her teens... You know, somewhere between 16 and 18, probably 17, 18. Why do we need a five-minute uh, montage of her showering? That seemed out of place for me. Like, I get that the actress is in her 30s, but this character is supposed to be a teenager. Living at home, you know, barely has her driver's license, still going to high school. This is a high school student. I don't want to see high school students in in the showers I thought the story was messy with that said I had a lot of fun with this film I thought David Howard Thornton I mean I thought he was excellent yeah I was gonna say I thought he was excellent in the first film in this one above and beyond to the point where you know Art the Clown is clearly solidified as a horror icon at this point we know we're getting a third film um, and probably more you know um, and here's the thing I'll watch him I'll watch them all I loved the gore the practical effects I thought were fantastic um, you know the use of certain props and whatnot you know so I mean you, 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 you pick and you choose you know so um, it obviously it, it didn't it didn't make my top horror films of this past year, but I had a lot of fun with it, and I am looking forward to more Art the Clown in the future. My my favorite thing about this was the fact that you know this little indie film just took the nation by but storm. That's just it, you know. Like it was supposed to be in theaters for one weekend, and I think it was like every single showing was sold out. So more theaters brought it back for another weekend, and that sold out. And then more theaters brought it back to the point where it made millions of dollars. This small budget yeah, independent film you know like i mean and it you really just... gives hope for other folks who are out there like man no one's ever going to see my movies and it's like take a look take a look at this a lot of people didn't know what terrifier was unless you were a hardcore fan all of us like they had to crowdfund to make this sequel so right and you know terrifier the original one was based off of a short film yep all Hallows Eve. Yep, kind of like a proof of concept type of thing. Yeah. So uh, you know, keep so keep at it. Keep uh, at it. Exactly. If if anything, it's 
hope. You know, if if you're an independent film director, writer, what have you, you know, there is there's hope for you. There's hope for your stuff to get out there and and be seen. You just need to you just need to write the script and direct the film and shoot your shot. Make your movie. Yes. Yeah, which yep. is what we'll be doing this year and hopefully we'll be able to yes. you know, you'll be able to see some of the stuff that we've <clears throat> created. So I know we've gone long on our opening segment, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to give you our top 10 films, uh, characters. Well, we still have to do our number one. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. We got all sidetracked. Do you want to do number one after the break? Or do you want to do it now? Let's just do it now. Yeah. Let's sorry. Do it now. To, see, this is what happens when you're rusty. Yeah, it's fine. You got a little right, kicks so to work three, out. It's okay. On three, we'll say, because we both have the same number one. Well, no. I have a 1A and 1B situation. Oh, that's right. Do your do your 1B and your 1A. Okay. So, well, well, here, I'll do 1B. And then we'll and say And then 1A. we'll say our top film. So, 1B for me was 3,000 Years of Longing. Again, like I said, it was a beautiful film. Um, honestly, it, it, it could have been the top spot but this other film edged it out just slightly um i just i loved it again it was uh the only thing i knew going into it was that it was tilda swinton and idris elba and that is it and the story just blew me away so with that being said number one let's go one two three everything Everything, everywhere everywhere, all all at at once once. yes just a phenomenal film uh Uh, just i where do you even begin um i we can can talk about when we come back because we're going to be discussing this again when we talk about our favorite characters well when you talk about your favorite characters that's true but we'll be discussing it again but i mean speaking of those films that kind of address generational trauma uh parent uh child relationships um unlearning behaviors multiverse aspect it was just mm. it was the film Mm. that dr strange and the multiverse of madness wished it could have been i i laughed i cried i was on the edge of my seat it was so much more than i expected i had no idea who michelle yo was up until this point oh, and i I'm did kicking myself for it because god damn it is she so fucking fantastic uh to the point where i just want to do a deep dive of all michelle yo stuff um and 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 i'm really ho- yeah, I, I will talk a little bit more about this uh, after the break. So let's go to break. Yeah, we'll be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary.
Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Vaughn Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of, of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday Podcast. Podcast. Part of the Some Buddies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we, and we will, will see, see you next, next Thursday. And we are back. All right. We're back, not just overall, but we're back for the second part of this episode. So I hope uh, you didn't miss us too much while we were gone. And because we missed you. Yeah, we definitely missed doing this. So uh, we are glad to be back. Um, you know, we will, uh, at, when we come back from our next break, we will discuss what we're going to be talking about next week. And uh, I think you're going to be uh, pretty excited about it because it's something that we usually pair with this topic that we're talking about today. But uh, today, our main topic of discussion, I know we just spent an hour talking about our uh, top 10 movies of 2022 uh you know if we were maybe you know a little more in the groove we would have probably streamlined that down to about 30 35 minutes but, but we, we haven't... missed you all so much all of your cute little faces i just want to smooch them all yeah it's and it's with tongue and it's been, and it's been a long time since we uh had a chance to talk about stuff so you know we uh we wanted to really you know, kind of get this first one out of our system so that we can really concentrate on uh, the rest of them. So uh, we hope you don't mind. I, th I think we're entertaining. I don't know. Uh, I'm a little biased. Are you not entertained? So I didn't put my characters into any real... Um, any real specific order. order because it was really hard to do. And... Well... I did. I had. I recent, did that. I had recency bias as well. I did that. So I, uh, I'm gonna have you start. Um, and usually I have. Um, I I didn't do a ton of honorable mentions for this, but there are a couple of movies where multiple people are listed as. Uh, you know, like there's the main character, and then there's. The ensemble cast, the, the supporting characters. So why don't you start? Who is uh, do ten, nine, and eight? Okay, so number ten on my list is Ted from Werewolf by Night. Yeah, Ted Man Thing, uh, the Cthulhu-looking motherfucker. I loved Ted. I am so interested slash hoping that they do more with this character. He's basically like Marvel's version of Swamp Thing. For no, I, I get close that. analog. I mean, it's not exactly the same, but give or take. No, I, I absolutely get that. Uh, I thought Werewolf by Night was an excellent introduction to this character. Um, obviously, uh, I love a, I love a monster. I love a monster movie. I love when monsters happen. And I also love when monsters are fun. 
and funny. Uh, and Ted's just that, you know, he's a he's a man of few words, or I should say a man thing of few words. Uh, but he was just a lot of fun. And I'm really hoping that we get to see more and that we see more of this werewolf by night universe. Um, I hope Disney does something with that. I think we, we will. I think, you know, with the Agatha Harkness thing coming up, uh, like she's getting her own show again. So much shit in Marvel, like everybody's gotten a goddamn spinoff. Uh, but the Agatha Harkness show, um, I'm sure with some of the darker stuff. That's I was going to say, I am so here for more Catherine Hahn. Please give me all of the Catherine Hahn because I love her so much. I also think a lot of people were uh, very happy with some of the animated stuff that DC did, like the Justice League dark stuff. Uh, I know you liked that. Especially because mm-hmm. it featured Zatanna, but Swamp Thing was a part of that, and Constantine and Dead Man and all those guys. So there's a lot of uh, similarities uh, to what's going on with uh, what's been popular. You know, I mean, like imitations the sincerest form, the sincerest form of flattery. Not that we're gonna start getting into a conversation of like which characters came out first, but in this case the imitation that I'm referring to. I was going to say, which came first, the Deadpool or the Deathstroke? Uh, Deathstroke. (laughs) But in this case, what I mean is, you know, putting together these types of ensemble casts of characters um, and just seeing what they can do. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with the Werewolf by Night folks with uh, Agnes. Uh, So... Uh, what's uh, what's your next one? Number nine on my list is Abby from Turning Red. So I love this character. Her gremlin energy was just so contagious. She was very positive, but at the same time, super ready to throw down for her friend. And I think we could all use an Abby in our lives. Ooh, yeah, that reminds me. You don't know what happens to uh, in uh, for. I can I can uh, I can tell you right now that hearing you say that uh is going to trigger some people who are aware of what happens in the next season of The Last of Us. That's all I'm going to say. They may disagree with your assessment that we all need an Abby in our lives. That's all I'm going to say. Speaking of The Last of Us, uh, we will be doing an episode on that soon. Yeah, once or the, at once least it wraps once. Up. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Patsy has played the games. He's played all of the games, both games, both games and the DLC. Uh, so he is well versed in this universe. Um, I've seen some of the games, but I'm really green going into this for the most part. So. Um, and we're going to try to get a guest on who is also well-versed in the games I would and imagine, is though, enjoying I, the show. If I were to show you a couple of clips and you didn't know if they were Resident Evil or The Last of Us. You, I would probably, yeah. You might yeah. be able to guess, but like yeah. not knowing, like it's it's hard. You know, I will say this yeah. right now. Episode three of The Last of Us. Is currently living rent rent free in my head, um, and is on replay, just constant replay. Nick Offerman in my head, and Murray Bartlett, um, Frank and Bill, uh, yeah. Um, anyways, number eight on my list of characters is Birdie. 
Kate Hudson's character from Glass Onion. Now, I know Katherine Hahn was in that too. And usually I have a thing for Katherine Hahn. I love her so much. I think she's just so fantastic. I think it's brilliant that she's finally, 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 like people are noticing her. They're casting her in things. She's been doing phenomenal things for and a really long time ridiculous bullshit like in no Step well, but i mean like here's the thing she can do comedy like she's great at comedy but she's also really good at drama and like really have, storytelling and i have long stood by um, my and it's sad that it's this way but i've long stood by my uh stance that the best dramatic uh actors tend to be comedians because a lot of times they are hiding their pain with their humor, which is why Robin Williams has two fucking Oscars for his serious roles. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Have you seen one hour photo? I've seen one hour photo. Fo- oh, what- so, no, no, no. I know. I know. Um, and what dreams may come, uh, which is a uh, story by Richard Matheson. Who also did I Am Legend, Duel. Uh, that's one I want to watch with you because I haven't seen it in about 30 years. Duel, the truck? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Spielberg's first film. Yeah. Um, but he, uh, you know, I mean, Richard Pryor uh, was nominated for an Oscar for uh, uh, a serious role, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is known for comedy. Um, you know, those are guys that it's like, oh yeah, they're so funny and they're so upbeat. And then like, you see them like the, the stuff that Robin Williams did on law and order, Jesus Christ, uh, insomnia. Oh yes. I've seen that. Yes. But awakenings, uh, patch Adams, goodwill, not is it goodwill hunting. Yes. Dead poet society. Yep. Um, his serious roles. Uh, are really, like, they're profound when you watch them, and especially knowing what happened with him and how his life uh, ended. Um, you know, it kind of puts it in a, a different perspective. So I I really love how certain, say women especially, of Hollywood are finally getting their flowers, and Catherine Hahn is one of them, but for... Kate Hudson's portrayal of Bernie and Glass Onion, the satirical portrayal of the way that some people were navigating through the pandemic and behaving and, you know, thinking that they're doing good, but they're not. And I thought that sweatshops were where sweatpants were made, you know, (laughs) like just completely oblivious to real life. I I thought that that character was just so much fun. Plus, I want her wardrobe. But I I think you you picked her like when I when I heard your list, I thought you picked her because if you didn't see that, if you were to just read her lines, you could a hundred percent see Jennifer Coolidge. Well, I mean, there's also that. Like that is uh, Jennifer Coolidge pre White Lotus. Yes, <laughs> she's at the Glass Onion. Um, y- y- yes, yes. There's there's that. But uh, again, it's uh, I was really into satire last year, and her character definitely f- fell in with all of that. Yes, I agree with that. 
So that was 10, 9, and 8? Uh, yes. So my 10, 9, and 8, and I guarantee I'm the only one who has this number 9, and my number 9 is going to be very controversial to some people out there, but I don't care. Number 10, Art the Clown, David Howard Thornton. Um, the fact that he is able to, I mean, the scene in the, like, Spencer Gifts type place mm -hmm. with the glasses and, like, yeah, Art the Clown is terrifying and menacing, and the fact, and we discussed this Hilarious. on the episode with him, uh, he has a background in mime that really helps, especially where Art does not ever speak. I will say, I don't know uh, if this is something that's going to become a recurring theme, but uh, I have seen David Howard Thornton's ass in two consecutive uh, Terrifier films, and I'm guessing we're going to see it again because, you know, give the people what they want. Number nine. This is not a movie that was on my best, my worst. Uh, it wasn't on... Uh, my honorable mentions in any way, shape, or form. But I really like the character. I'm one of the few people that actually enjoyed the movie, and I'm going to buy it once I can find a steelbook. I am talking about Jared Leto as Morbius. I It's Morbin time! It is Morbin time. Uh, <laughs> I loved Jared Leto as Morbius. Um... We I, had a lot of fun at the theater with this I one. I really liked it, and I'm so looking forward to Craven the Hunter, uh, which comes out in October. And from what I understand, is Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven the Hunter. And for people who aren't familiar with Craven the Hunter, there is a great run of Todd McFarlane drawn comics where it's Craven's Last Hunt, where Craven the Hunter, who's just a guy, defeats Spider Man buries him alive and then captures somebody that Spider-Man couldn't bring to justice himself. So he went out as just a guy and was able to defeat this guy that Spider-Man couldn't beat and it was amazing. Also, she really highlights the perseverance and the willpower uh, of Peter Parker. So we'll leave it at that. Number eight... Uh, Althea and the Jinn, Tilda mm. Swinton and Idris Elba in 3,000 Years of Longing. The dynamic that the two of these uh, characters have and the chemistry and just the sparks between... Oh, my God. They are so good together. Um, in addition to the characters being great, but, I mean, anytime you have Tilda Swinton or Idris Elba, although I will be watching Beast uh, in the next few days or so. Not without me, you won't. Um Idris Elba just brings this, this energy. <laughs> yes, like, he does. Like that was part of the reason I was able to get you to watch uh, Pacific Rim because of how good he was at Stacker Pentecost. Yes, Pacific Rim job. So, that's my ten, nine, and eight. So, what's your seven, six, five? So, um, kind of to elaborate because those two characters aren't on my list. Uh, kind of to elaborate just slightly, um, those two characters spend the majority of the film just telling stories back and forth. It's all dialogue. Uh, you know, she is telling her stories from her life 
Um, he is telling his stories from being a djinn and the wishes that he's granted and how some of those wishes have gone awry. Um, but it was just so, oh, it was so beautifully done. Like, I, I, again, if everything any, everywhere all at once had not come out last year, um, that would have been my top film of the year because it was just, it was so, uh, the, the, the stories, you know, there's something to be said about great storytelling. And that's really what this film has. It's just, uh, if you haven't seen it, do it, please, because it's just so well done. Um, so my seven, six, and five. Number seven is Harper Spiller from White Lotus. That is Aubrey Plaza's character. I do I, like Aubrey Plaza. I was to say, I am uh, low-key obsessed with Harper, probably because I am low-key obsessed with Aubrey Plaza. Have you ever seen the gif? I think I sent this to Old Man Wade, but there's a gif of uh, her... And like, there's a bunch of people standing around, and Elizabeth Olsen is one of them. And Elizabeth Olsen walks by her and slaps her ass, but like, never like, really looks. Just kind of like slaps her on the ass and just kind of like staring forward. And Aubrey Plaza gave her this look, like, oh yeah, oh yeah. So they were actually in a film together because, of course, I watched it because I'm also obsessed with Elizabeth Olsen uh, called Ingrid Goes West. It's a really good indie film, really good film. Highly recommend Uh, the story. Moral of the story is is, you know, something we can all learn a little bit from, especially in these uh, social media type of days. But anyways, um, oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that that was that was promotion for Ingrid Goes West. And uh, uh, Aubrey Plaza's character is obsessed with Elizabeth Olsen's character. Um, And that gif is very hot, by the way. Uh, But yeah, um, Harper Spiller is a very interesting character because she starts as uh, she's rather cynical and relatively happy in her marriage. Um, her husband has recently sold his company and come into a lot of money. So that's changed their, uh, dynamics slightly. And by slightly, I mean a lot. They're on vacation with, uh, his college roommate who couldn't be more opposite of, uh, what her husband, uh, Ethan is, um, and his wife who uh, couldn't be more opposite than who Harper is, um, and kind of navigating that. And her character goes through this whole thing. She thinks her husband's cheating on her in a moment. Um, the way she kind of toys with him, she toys with his friend. It's just, it's really interesting storytelling and the way that Aubrey Plaza was able to, um, play this character, I thought was just so brilliant because she was able to, you know, we know Aubrey Plaza to be really, uh, kind of monotone at times and she has a brand of humor that is uh, very, very dry. Un- dry and very unique to her. You know, it's it's something that you don't necessarily see often, especially um, from a woman's perspective anyways, uh, which I think is one of the reasons why I love her so much. Um, 
So she's able to to bring a lot of uh, depth to this character while allowing this character to to evolve and almost uh, be corrupted by um, what happens at the White Lotus. Uh, let's see. That's seven. So that's nine, eight, uh, Seven six five. Seven six five. Okay, six is Pearl from Pearl. It's Mia Goth. Uh, Mia Goth has me really excited about the future of horror. Um, right now, she's starring in a film called by Brian Cronenberg, uh, the son of David Cronenberg, called Infinity Pool with Alexander Skarsgård, and I'm so excited to see that at some point. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that next week when we talk about what we're doing next week but um mia goth has been kind of on my radar for a little bit but her work with ty west in x with pearl and with the upcoming film maxine kind of being this ty west mia goth trilogy uh just has me really excited and the character of pearl Oh my God. Again, the fact that the Oscars don't really turn an eye towards horror and don't really pay attention to the portrayals of horror films, they just kind of write it off, is criminal because her portrayal as Pearl in Pearl is just phenomenal. And I want to uh, really point out the credits and it's like well why are you pointing out the credits because the credits roll over her keeping this face where she only blinks like twice and it's just her with this smile and initially it looks innocent enough but as the credits roll and as time goes on this smile just becomes more menacing because she's really just forcing it and faking it at that point because it's probably hurting her to keep that smile for so long and again like I said she's not really blinking or anything she only blinks a couple of times you know so her eyes are starting to water because she's trying to keep this expression on her face and that alone alone with no dialogue was just so unbelievably just oh mind-blowing a mind-blowing performance by Mia Goth um you know along with the technicolor aspect of the film and the writing and everything else you know what it was based on what happened uh it was it was so good it was one of those films that when it was done um I wanted to clap have you ever seen a performance that is just so good that when the film is over, when the credits actually start rolling, when the film is done, you just you sit there for a moment and you just want to clap because it's so good. That was Mia Goth and Pearl. Yeah, and I think that um, you know we've had a couple of movies that we've seen like that, but you definitely uh, we definitely should clap more for. Uh, for good performances like that in films. I know it seems weird and it's Well, like... no, but here's the thing. Once upon a time, so, you know, watching Babylon kind of reminded me of this. Once upon a time, going to the movie theater was an experience. It was something that you got dressed up for. It was something that uh, n- not many people did. It was uh, It was a date night. 
It was something that you look forward to. It was a, a full experience. It was an event. Yeah. It was an like event. Like on a plane. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And now, I mean, and I'm totally calling myself out for this, you know, I go to the movie theater in my pajamas with a blanket in tow, trying to be as comfortable as possible. And there's nothing. I mean, I love doing it. To be fair, we usually see three consecutive films. Well, I mean, there's there there is that. But there's I don't want to say there's nothing special about it. But when I think of going to the theater, the movie theaters anyways, it's not something that I think, oh, let me put on this outfit. Let me put on makeup. Let me do my hair. Let me accessorize. Let me make sure that I'm, you know, looking this particular way. If I went to like the Broadway theater, I would I would think that way. You know, let me dress up. Let me do this. This is uh, something that doesn't happen often. But for us, like going to the movies, it's it's I'd much rather be comfortable. It's like uh, in that Calvin and Hobbes strip. You know, everyone knows it's not entertainment unless you can uh, sit in the dark and eat. But once upon a time, you know, classic Hollywood, old Hollywood, people would dress up to the nines and go to the theater to see a film. And at the end, they would clap. They would applaud. They would, you know, standing ovations for, you know, phenomenal performances. You know, you just don't see that anymore. I mean, maybe for film premieres, like, you know, premieres happening in L.A., Hollywood, New York, like big film premieres but you just don't see that anymore for a, a regular theater going experience unless you're seeing something opening weekend that's what but again people aren't dressing up but the theater is packed enough and people are seeing things for the first time where you know people are gasping and reacting and being audible you know with with their reactions and then you know um clapping at the end of the film or or something but that again that usually only happens during opening weekend of 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 something you know and people aren't dressed up to go they're you know in their sweatpants and sweatshirts and being all comfortable so i'm hoping we get invited to a premiere out in say Provincetown. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, so anyways, number five on my list is Eddie Munson of Stranger Things. I believe it's pronounced Eddie Munster. Oh, God. Stranger Things. Uh, breaking my heart here. Um, this character was so good. And I kind of hate that they killed this character off. However, there are some very interesting... Uh, theories that parallel with some Dungeons and Dragons gameplay or stories or whatever um, that the show is kind of parallel off of. So, I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, what a way to introduce a character, get you to fall in love with this character, either see yourself in this character, see your friends uh see somebody you used to know and crush you absolutely crush you i cannot tell you how many eddie munson shirts i now own uh hellfire club sweatshirts pajama pants 
so well done. And Joseph Quinn did a really good job of portraying this character too. This, you know, kind of rebel with a cause, just wanting to be himself, really hoping that he graduates 86 baby, uh, you know, only to try to help save the world in the end. I thought it was just a, it was such a really good character to, to introduce this past season of Stranger Things. Yeah, he was a great character. He wasn't on my list. Uh, I don't think I have any TV show peoples on my list, but uh, that's okay. So my seven, six, and five. Uh, Chef Slowick and Margot, uh, Ray Fines and Anya Taylor-Joy from The Menu. Talk about chemistry. Yeah. Between those two people, those two characters. And they weren't even supposed to be like paired up like together like as far as the 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 characters go like she was paired up with nicholas holt and she wasn't even supposed to be there that day and like there's a great dynamic that goes on between the three of them and it's excellent um but yeah they definitely have some chemistry and you wouldn't have expected it from the way the film starts but as it goes along it builds up and uh it's really well done can i just say that one of my favorite parts of the film is when ray fine's character looks at the girl who is with uh john leguizamo his secretary his personal assistant whatever whatever she is um and she was like, you know, kind of pleading for her life. And she was like, I went to Brown or something like that. And he was like, do you have student loans? And she was like, no. And he was like, yeah, you deserve to be here. <laughs> I just thought that was like one of the funniest parts. Yeah. Like it was. You know, all of these people who are privileged are, you know, bargaining with him, um, pleading for their lives trying to prove that they do not deserve to be there they do not deserve to be part of his plan this kamikaze mission that he's on and she says that and he's like do you have student loans she's like no he's like yeah no you deserve to be here yeah (laughs) um number six uh, i mentioned this a little bit in the uh, opening segment the cast of bullet train like there's no way to single out any one character because every one of these characters interacts with all the other characters. Like there's so much that goes mm-hmm. on between every one of them. Um, there's no way you can just single one of them out. They're all incredible. Uh, they all work so well together and that's not easy to do on such a huge cast. Um, this I imagine was a really fun thing to work on. Uh, so I'm going with the entire cast of bullet train and my number five is Mei Lin from, uh, played by Rosalie Chang from uh, Turning Red. Mei Mei. She was a lot of fun. Uh, I really liked her character, like the way she develops throughout the story. Um, you know, again, like you were talking about, like generational trauma, like turning into a giant red panda is definitely a traumatic event. Well, not only that, you know, where every other woman in her family has decided to get rid of the panda she makes the decision to keep the panda and have it be a part of her and she doesn't necessarily understand why everyone else was so quick to dismiss the panda when the panda not only brings so much joy to her 
brings so much joy to other people. Yeah. Like. And makes her money. Yeah. Like Pictures she, with the panda. Yeah, she gets some money. Panda like shirts. That's good stuff. Um, and that's my number five. So do your four, three, two. So number four on my list is Princess Rhaenys Targaryen, the queen that never was from uh, Hot D, House of the Dragon. Um, I knew when I saw Eve Best in this role, I was like, this character is going to be something. And I have a feeling I'm going to be really drawn to this character. And this character is going to do something that is so phenomenal, so strong, so amazing. That's going to make me go, yes. And she does that. She does just, just that. She frees her dragon. She, uh, has the opportunity to kill some people and she doesn't do that. And I kind of wish she had, um, but I'm sure we'll see more of that in season two. Uh, her character excites me greatly. And I'm going to talk a little bit more with my number one character because uh, she kind of ties in with um, the overall feel of my number one character. And I'll, I'll, I'll get to that. Uh, number three on my list is Nadia from What We Do in the Shadows. Nadia. Nadia. Um, this season was really Nadia's season. Uh, she was definitely the star of the show with her opening the club. Uh, she had some of the best lines of this past season. What we do in the shadows is probably one of my favorite shows. Uh, no, not probably is definitely one of my favorite shows uh, on television right now. I'm really looking forward to the next season. I think they do such a really good job with it. It's funny. And, you know, uh, she really gives me something to look forward to. And I thought that her character this past year was just so well done. Uh, and number two on my list, if you follow me on social media, it really should come as no surprise. It's the Boulay brothers. Um, we had season four of Dragula into this past year. We had the first season of Dragula Titans, which was the all-star season of Dragula. Um, and Patsy and I this past spring had the opportunity, or I should say it's spring of 2022, where am I? Um, had the opportunity to not only see them live, which is something I have been dying to do for a really long time. Um, I mentioned during our Boulay Brothers episode of uh, Throwdown Thursday that I have been following them, their career, for a really long time. Uh, Dragula started out as a club event along with Queen Kong, and they hosted all of these parties and whatnot back in uh, L.A., and the fact that they are achieving all of these things and providing content. They also have their Creatures of the Night podcast that comes out. As, as of this point, it's bi-weekly. We're all a little bi, let's be honest here. Um, which is just, they have provided me with so much entertainment over this past year and has really helped me kind of navigate through and given me something to look forward to 
really, especially with Titans uh, coming out around the time that it did, it happened during a time when uh, something not so great happened. And it really just really gave me something to look forward to. Um, We had the opportunity to meet the Boulay brothers uh, when we saw them this past spring. And I can't say enough great things about them. They're so phenomenal. I mean, such nice people, even more gorgeous in person. Um, And we're seeing them again in April. Yeah, a couple weeks after my birthday. Uh, So we're attending their show. We have VIP passes, so we'll be able to meet them again. We'll be able to meet some of the cast of the, uh, the Titans. And we'll be able to attend a taping of the Creatures of the Night podcast. And let me tell you, I cannot wait to attend all that and then talk about it because I know it's going to be so great. And I'm going to, uh, I'm looking forward to cultivating an outfit for that. Oh, me too. Me too. I mean, I, I think, I think I have something already planned. I don't yet, but I have some ideas. We'll we'll work on it. Yeah, it'll be fabulous. Oh, it's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be great. But uh, but yeah, that that's my that's my number two. And all right, so I'll do my four, three, two. Yes. Number four, Naru, played by Amber Midsunder, from the movie Prey, uh, with an honorable mention going to Sari, her dog, played by Coco. <gasps> Uh, the dog. You can't have her without the dog because she uses the dog in a lot of her hunting techniques when she's trying to evade the bear, when she's trying to evade the predator. Like the the dog is a huge part of why she survives to the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to go with that. Uh, the ensemble cast of Everything Everywhere All at Once, from James Hong to Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, everybody was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, which is why so many of them are nominated for Oscars and won Golden Globes. I mean, this movie got Jamie Lee Curtis her first Oscar nomination. She's been acting since she was since she was 19. She is 64 now, so that's 45 years in the business. And she got her first Oscar nomination. So, again, I can't say enough good things about this movie. Um I I can't and I can't just single any one of them out because again like the cast of Bullet Train but for different reasons you can't just talk about one of them I know you talked about Michelle Yeoh but like between Michelle Yeoh and I believe I'm pronouncing his name right Kihai Kwan um, Stephanie Hsu like (sighs) so side note um, the Hollywood Reporter every year does these roundtable discussions um, with some of the top actors, uh, male, they have a male roundtable discussion and then they have a female one. Uh, Ki-Hue Kwan was in the male discussion talking about, oh God, um, what he was talking about got me really emotional because he was known he was younger, you know, Goonies, Indiana Jones, um, uh, he even did a movie with Brendan Fraser, and Brendan Fraser was part of this roundtable discussion for his portrayal uh, in The Whale, which I have yet to see, and I want to see. 
I love Brendan Fraser and I love that how how he's kind of having this renaissance. I love how a lot of people are having a renaissance and hold that note. I'm going to touch base on that in a moment. Um, but the way that he was describing how he thought his career was over and he thought that everything that's happening to him now, uh, everything that he had dreamed about was just gone and now he's in his 50s and he's his career has been revived he's having this renaissance uh listening to him speak about that is just so incredibly heartwarming and brendan fraser said something to him when they were uh doing their like photo ops in the beginning before they actually sit down and have the the, the conversation uh Brendan looked at him and said, hey, we're still here. Yeah. And the way that the two of them looked at each other when Key brought it up during that discussion and like the tears in Brendan Fraser's eyes and the passion that Key Hue Kwan was speaking with uh, gives me so much hope because... We think that dreaming and goals, that's for children. Dreaming is for children. You get to this point and your spirit is already crushed and, you know, you've gone through so many things where it's just like, ugh. You have these men who have really been through it in their late 40s, early 50s, who are experiencing parts of a career that they never thought they were they were going to experience it's just it's so it just i i can't say anything else but just it just gives me hope because it doesn't matter how old you are it doesn't matter what you've been through it doesn't matter what you are currently doing a phone call can change your life put yourself out there Continue to dream big. I mean, I found my calling in life at age 40. You know, which is just so, it's just, it is so incredibly inspirational. You know, so many people think that they are, are, are that they're done. You know, that, well, this is it. Let me throw my hands up. Let me give in. And persistence and perseverance is key. Don't stop dreaming. Don't stop dreaming. Yeah. Just Always keep, have a dream. Just And keep going. Yeah. Just keep going at it. And I mean, you know, I've worked, you know, I've always wanted to get into movies. And last year I worked on five movies. I worked two. I started you know, in the and, and, and you, September you, you thought that it was something that wasn't attainable. Yeah, like I never thought I'd you, be able you to do it. Exactly. You thought that, you know, you didn't know the ins and outs. You had no idea how to even get into something like that. You know, maybe you needed an education. Maybe you needed to know people. Yeah. And you it know? turns out that knowing people is part of it. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's part of it. But having the drive and never losing sight of that dream, like that's key. Yeah. Um, like I said, you know, I started in the industry in the middle of September, September 16th, 2021, 
I worked on two films and a and a commercial through the end of that year. And then last year, 2022, I worked on five films, two music videos. Um, I did one day on a TV show on Nantucket. I did... Um, I did... Uh, several commercials and this year I've done four commercials two of them for the Super Bowl like I'm just moving up and up and up like I'm really happy with the way things are going and you know by the end of this year I'm hoping to have moved up into a different position and you know we'll see what happens but uh, yeah let me uh, let me do my Number two, because I didn't get to do my number two. We got sidetracked. Sorry. <laughs> uh, number two shouldn't surprise anyone, because if you know me, you know how much. Uh, this person, I made a list of 100 people I want to work with, and this guy is very high up on the list. Uh, you know how much I love this guy. Uh, I'm a huge fan of anything that he's in. I will, I will give it a chance. And uh, one of his movies was on my top list last year as well. Uh I'm talking Nicolas Cage as Nicolas Cage in The Unbearable Weight of uh, Massive Talent. Uh, another Pedro Pascal vehicle. Um, he was great in like a satirical take on himself. There's something to be said about somebody who can play a hyperbolic version of themselves. Yes. And especially where he was also conversing with, like, his, I don't know, conscience, but it was also, like, his younger self. You know, speaking of a career renaissance, Nick Cage has had quite the career renaissance. Yeah, and he's actually in good films. And I have a feeling we're going to be talking about him next week a little bit, too. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's uh, it's it's good stuff. So hopefully I get a chance to work with him. That'd be pretty awesome. But who is your number one? So it should come as no surprise to anyone who follows me on the social media is that my number one character of this year is Tanya McQuad Hunt. Jennifer Coolidge in The White Lotus. Oh, my God, this character. Uh, you know, she had won me all over already with uh, the portrayal of this character in season one. Uh, and then season two just took the fucking cake. I mean, it was just, I loved her. And then in her final episode, uh, she had the line, these gays, they're trying to murder me. And I was done. I was sold. I was sold. Um, I love that these people, these actors, uh, who normally Hollywood would just throw away, they wouldn't give them the time of day. Uh, these actors are finally, finally getting their flowers. Jennifer Coolidge, Emmy Award winning Jennifer Coolidge, Golden Globe winning Jennifer Coolidge, Emmy Award winning Catherine O'Hara. Finally, you know, Brendan Fraser getting all of these accolades for his portrayal in The Whale. Kihue Kwan, Emmy Award winning 
not Emmy, but um, Golden, Golden Globe. Globe Oscar nominee. Michelle Yeoh, Golden Globe Oscar nominee. Jamie Lee Curtis, Golden Globe nominee, Oscar nominee. It makes me so unbelievably happy that Hollywood has finally woken up a little bit to kind of break the mold of typical Hollywood starlet, typical typical Hollywood actor, you know, giving these people, more seasoned actors. I would say people of color and women, women especially, women of a certain age don't really have a place in Hollywood. You have 40-year-olds playing grandmothers because that's how Hollywood sees them. Yeah, it's like, uh, what is it, that joke about the porn industry? You're either barely legal or a MILF. You know, so you have these women, Jamie Lee Curtis, Catherine O'Hara, Jennifer Coolidge, Michelle Yeoh. Um, All in their 60s, I believe. Yes. Getting their flowers in their 60s. It makes me so unbelievably excited to get older because it's never too late. It's never too late. You know? Nope. Um, it's it just uh, these these women who I look up to, especially um, these women, these funny women, these women who have had these atypical careers you know, who never gave up, who people are finally seeing a light in, you know, and people embracing them. You know, Jennifer Coolidge was just in Boston last weekend, and if it wasn't so fucking cold, I would have been there too, accepting the Hasty Pudding Woman of the Year Award. Oh, uh, Harvard. Yes, yes. You know, um... It's just, it just, it just makes me so incredibly happy that these people who I look up to, you know, I mean, it's no surprise that Catherine O'Hara and Jennifer Coolidge are idols of of mine. I would love to have a career like them. I'm, 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 I'm slowly dipping my toes into the uh, acting world again after many years. And granted, I'm not in my sixties. At least not yet. Um, I, for a while, thought that I was too old and that nobody would want me, uh, you know, um, and I have been proven wrong. So I'm, I'm really excited to create art this year and uh, bask in, in the light that these women have shown and are continuing to to shine on these roles um not only that you know speaking of jennifer jennifer coolidge as tanya mcquad um she's so self-realized and she's not trying to be perfect you know people get up and when they win these awards and they try to give these inspirational and elaborate speeches like oh i won this award but save the whales Oh, I won this award, but climate change. Oh, I won this award, but love your mom. Um, which, you know, you, you should if your mom's not a piece of shit. But, um, you know, she Unless just gets up. Unless your mom is a climate changing whale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but she gets up and she just has a good time. 
And recently watching Seth Meyers, he said her acceptance speech shouldn't have been a thank you. It should have been just her taking the award going, you're welcome. Yeah. Or done the thing that like Rowan Atkinson did, if you've ever seen that gif, where he just, he gets an award and he gets up, he walks up to the stage, snatches it out of the person's hand and just goes back to his seat. Well, I mean, when she won her Emmy, she got up and she apologized for being, she's like, oh, I'm so bloated because I took a lavender bath before this and now I'm out of breath and I'm full. And then the orchestra tried to play her off and she started dancing. Yeah, that's And fair. it's just, she is, she is, she is the epitome of camp. And she's everything that I want to be, like, at this age, at any age. Like, she's just so in tune with herself, and she is so in on the joke. And I think that's one of the things I love about her, is she has no issue making fun of herself. And that's what we need to do more of. Yes, make fun of yourself. Self-deprecating humor, especially when you're not being cruel to yourself, it's okay. Um. So who's your That's your number one That's my number one I still have honorable mentions But that's my number one Well my honorable mention Before I get to number one uh, This dude He can be funny Or he can be creepy Going back on What we were talking about earlier uh, But most of the time He plays a weird Creepy dude uh, Paul Dano is the Riddler In the Batman mm. He was amazing Um. But again He was just being the character that he's been in so many different th- except for the movie he was in with my number one Swiss Army Man uh, he was actually funny and not creepy in that one but speaking of Swiss Army Man I, my number one Daniel Radcliffe as Weird Al Yankovic oh my god this movie was beyond funny beyond incredible Uh, And I have an honorable mention because Evan Rachel Wood is Madonna in this film. Holy shit. Like, these guys were amazing. The two of them together. You'd want to talk about awesome chemistry. Mm -hmm. Like, these two were great. They were hilarious. Um, I like to see her in a, a more comedic role as opposed to, you know, what I'm familiar with her uh, from, which is Westworld. I really, really liked um, this film. That's why it was my number two film of the year, and or my number three film of the year. And the two of them together just had insane chemistry. And uh, I thought he... I think Daniel Radcliffe is an amazing actor. And I saw this thing of him the other uh, earlier today. Like, somebody came up to him and was like, Hey, I know you. You're that guy from the uh, Hobbit movies. Because apparently he's always getting uh, mistaken for Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Nope, I'm a, uh, I'm not that guy." And they're like, "Oh, all right." And he's like, "Yeah, I get that a lot." And the the person walked away, and he goes, "And that was the best part of the story. I didn't have to pretend that I'm uh, Elijah Wood." Like, so yeah, Weird Al, uh, see Weird, the Al Yankovic story, um, it's it's excellent. So, who is your um, your honorable mention? So, I'm just going to go through this real quick. Uh, the priest from Hellraiser, Jamie Clayton, did a fantastic job um, not trying to be Doug Bradley's pinhead, this, you know, kind of like goth club 
pinhead-esque character uh, doing something completely her own. I thought she did a phenomenal job. Linda Belcher, Bob's Burgers, the Bob's Burgers movie. Uh, it's Linda Belcher. All right. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, Jinx Monsoon. So Jinx Monsoon is a drag queen winner of All-Star Season 7. That was the all-winner season um, of All-Stars. Winners who had either won uh, during their original season or had won an All-Star season. So Jinx Monsoon won Season 5 of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race and then went on to win. She is the queen of all queens. Um, And she's just, she's so good. And currently... On Broadway, uh, so drag queen, non-binary persons, or excuse me, trans femme non-binary persons uh, performing as Mama Morton uh, in Chicago on Broadway, which is just so cool. I really wish I had the opportunity to go out to see her because uh, she's just standing ovations every single night. Um, and Nellie Leroy, that is Margot Robbie's character from Babylon. Again, uh, kind of a kind of a tragic character, uh, but yet so full of life. And I really. Uh, I just I just really love Margot Robbie. I feel like she is one of those great actresses of our time. Um she brings a lot to the table. She is she's she's funny, she's dramatic, she she can do a lot. She's very very talented. Like she knows what the job is and she gets the job done and she also excels at the job. She's so, on my list of people I'd like to work with. I mean, I I just I mean, plus uh, just so incredibly gorgeous um she's one of those people who i don't know if i could stand next to because i would probably just stare at her like stupidly stare at her the entire time and probably wouldn't know what to say because she's just so gorgeous that like i i just my 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 words would just get all mushed in my mouth and i wouldn't know what to say i think you'd be okay because i think she's very down to earth i mean probably probably but um but she's just, she's just, she's stunning. And uh, she takes on some really interesting roles. And this was definitely an interesting role for her. So, so that's it. All right. So that's, that's our it. list. If you want to share yours, you can always reach out to us on our Facebook page, on Twitter at TD Thursday Pod. Uh, you can send us uh, an email at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, but we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to tell you what we have coming up next week. And why. And what some of our uh, thoughts are about uh, what we have coming up over the next uh, several episodes. So we will uh, take a quick break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast, it's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkning Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Welcome back. Uh, 
I really hope you folks enjoyed this episode. We uh, we went way longer than we thought we would, but you know what? It's good to be back. We're just feeling so chatty. Yeah, like we, you know, chat we're, chat. We're happy to be back. Yeah. Funny story <laughs> about that. I asked, I asked Ash. I was like, hey, if you if you install Cash App. I get a $10 bonus, you know, for referring you. And she's like, oh, cat chat. Like, because that's what I heard. She heard cat chat when I said cash app. thought it was a new social media app that involved cats. And it I got would, really it, excited. It really should be. But, uh, yeah, we, we hope you enjoyed this. And, you know, you can look forward to episodes coming out on a regular basis again. Because we're back. Uh, I'm happy that we're able to do this now. Um, I know Ashes is also happy that we're able to do this again. I just like to talk. I, I don't know if, in case you haven't noticed, especially during this episode, uh, I like to talk. Yeah, and <laughs> I have, we, a, lot, we, have a lot of things to say. We both really, really <laughs> miss this, so I'm glad that we're able to do this again. Um, but I know you have a, a wine segment. I didn't prepare any science. Um uh, but we can That's a, well, I mean, so I have a wine segment, uh, particularly because it's been in the back of my mind for a while now. And it really has to do with something that, you know, a pop culture thing that happened last year. Uh, I'm talking about a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it. I know what you're thinking. Ooh, stunning. Uh, made famous by the uh, conversation, the kind of like interview segment between Olivia Cook and Emma Darcy of House of the Dragon. So I have had both a regular Negroni and a Negroni Spagliato. And a lot of people were like, oh, what's a Negroni Spagliato? Well, I'm here to tell you. So first off, a regular Negroni is a fabulous cocktail mixed with Campari, which Campari is, uh, it's like an orange bitters liqueur. So it's definitely bitter, kind of citrusy with some spice in it, kind of clove, kind of cardamom, um, delicious one in the right cocktail. So when in a regular Negroni, it's the Campari. So it's like one part Campari, one part sweet vermouth. Um, obviously adding a little bit of sweetness to it, which is very welcoming. Uh, and in a typical Negroni, it's gin. So the gin definitely favors the bitterness of the Campari and definitely uh, favors the spice of the Campari uh, as well with a sweet vermouth offering just a little bit of sweetness to help it go down a little bit but it's very floral um, you get a lot of the like juniper kind of woodsy aspect of the gin uh, and then the, the, the bitterness of the Campari but the Spagliato so Spagliato in Italian means mistake mistaken broken um so a Negroni Spagliato so she said with Prosecco in it that's slightly redundant and I'm going to explain that in a moment uh a Negroni Spagliato is the Campari the sweet vermouth, and then a sparkling white wine, which 
definitely makes the cocktail a little bit sweeter, a little bit lighter, and not as floral or botanical tasting. Now, as you've probably known, listening to this show and listening to me talk about wines, there are many different types of sparkling white wines. There are Moscatos, uh, Prosecco, Champagne. So for her specifically saying Prosecco, um, she's calling out the specific type of, of sparkling white wine that she wants added to her Negroni. So there's a difference between Moscato and a Prosecco. Prosecco is going to be drier, which to be completely honest, if you want a slightly drier, a little bit sweeter Negroni, definitely go. And and I've had it with both Prosecco and sparkling white wine, like a Moscato. Um, I prefer it with a Prosecco because that dryness with the bitterness and a little bit of sweet, oh, delicious. Whereas if you had it with, say, a Moscato, it's going to be, you know, Moscato is a sweeter sparkling white wine. So it's going to make the overall cocktail sweeter. So you have a slightly more sweet cocktail with the orange bitters and the sweet vermouth and whatnot. So, I mean, it's really all a um, matter of opinion, what you prefer. But I definitely think that a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it is a fabulous cocktail. And I know a lot of people were interested in it last year because of the, you know, this, this interview, I don't know, I think it was for like Vogue or something, uh, came out where these two were interviewing each other. But um, it is a really great cocktail. And I think that if you are interested in trying it, you absolutely should. Yeah, and I would uh, I would definitely recommend that. I Speaking of cocktails, we, we went to a wedding uh, recently and I had uh, my first ever old fashioned and then I had three more. Um, or two more. I well, I mean, but Those it was really it was good. different because it was an old fashioned with maple syrup. Yes, yeah, it was really really good. Uh, I like and it, it was a lot. delicious. Uh, yeah, yeah, I had three of them, um, which I generally do not do. But um, I think that's pretty much all we have uh, to talk about for this episode. So next week we are going to give you our list of. Uh, media that we are looking forward to coming up uh, this year. Uh, by the time we talk about it, obviously some of these things will have already come out um, because we're not doing this, you know, the first week of January. We're doing it the third week of February. Ish. But there's still a lot of year. Uh, and, you know, there's a couple of movies that are coming out that I didn't think were necessary there's especially one where it's like why do i need this but then i saw who was involved and i'm like okay i'll give this a shot i'll give it a shot because of who is supplying the writing who is acting in it um because it's not somebody that i would normally pair with the lead actor uh it'll make more sense when i talk about it next week but uh I think that's about it. Do you have anything else you wanted to add? Um, it feels really good to be back. It does. I missed you. Yes. Did I mention that? Missed all of you. Yes. All of your cute little faces. 
So uh, let us know what you thought of this episode. Let us know some of the things that you liked from 2022 and what you're looking forward to for 2023. And uh, I think with that being said, we will will see you you next Thursday Thursday for real.